1: Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Crillo. Today we have Agostino Pintas. Over the past two decades, he has been involved in over $350 million worth of real estate investments and specializes in large-scale multifamily development projects, acquiring apartment communities, single tenant, net lease assets, and office buildings. So thank you so much for being on the show today, Agostino.
0: Charles, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Appreciate it yeah, no, seeing this you is again. Great- Yeah, it's great to connect again. I was on Agostino's podcast a little while earlier. So it's uh, great to uh, turn the tables here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So give us a little background on yourself, both personally and professionally, prior to getting involved in real estate investing.
0: Sure, sure, sure. So yeah, like you said a second ago, back about um 17 years ago, I was working in tech. I was a you know exe- corporate executive working in uh, you know my W-2 job, doing all that. And a friend of mine said, "Hey, you know what? You should do real estate." So went on a whim, started doing, started buying like small multifamily, single families, stuff like that. And I was doing all that while I was working the corporate job, and you know I was managing it, doing all that fun stuff. Well, you know there's there's only so much you can do of that. And, uh, but at the time I didn't know much of anything else about syndication or anything on those things. Right. But back this is back before 2008 when 2008 had pulled, I put the brakes on everything, stopped buying single families and small multifamilies and kind of like took a long hiatus from doing real estate, but it wasn't until I was working back in corporate and, um, I ended up getting, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a good employee. Right. <laughs> Definitely not a good employee. Uh, and I ended up leaving another company and I'm like, you know, what the hell am I going to do now? And I remember that despite all the problems I have and every, that with you know, working in corporate and the, the ups and downs and all that, that kind of fun stuff, it may be someone out there that might be in the same position, right? My real estate always produced. It always made money. So I'm like, you know what? I need to figure out how to do bigger deals. And I had a, a friend of mine who explained what syndication was. I had no idea what syndication was. And he explained it to me. I'm like, you know, it's about raising capital, register the asset with the, or register the deal with the SEC, you know, all that fun stuff. And I'm like, I could do that. So I started working on it and then partnering up with people. And next thing you know, I'd say, what well, really put the, put the accelerator on probably about, I don't know, five, six years ago. And, partnered up with the right people and started building the business up, you know? So now, aside from doing acquisition, we also focus on development, adaptive reuse, ground up, that kind of thing. And we also do single tenant net lease. We have a fund that acquires single tenant net lease assets like Dollar General, Dollar Tree, Mm Walgreens, stuff like that. And the intent of that net lease fund is to give us and our investors steady streams of monthly income. That's what that does. It does it very, very well. It's extremely predictable, right? So yeah, it's like, that's what we do now. And we're just focused on, on those three lines of business. We also have an education business as well. But, you know, it's like whenever with the education business, it's all rooted in actual real life experience that yours truly runs. So it's, it's kind of a big deal, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to find the teachers that have actually been through a recession and uh, everything like that. Everybody's been writing it up for the last 10 years. And then yep. we got a little distorted on top. And then that's where we are now. But so very interesting. You have a lot of different assets you're working with. Let's talk about the, the triple net lease fund a little bit about that because it's something we don't talk about too much on the show, but it's a very interesting asset class I've never been on the GP side of it I have been on the LP side of it so can you explain a little bit about actually what these properties are who these tenants are and you know how you go about it Well
0: Charles I love net lease net lease is freaking amazing and I'll tell you why I mean you already know why But the great thing about the net lease assets that we're buying, so these are very specific types of assets. Can you explain, I'm
1: sorry, explain what net lease is before we start? Yeah, sure, sure,
0: sure, sure. So net lease, when we're talking about net net lease, people often refer to it as triple net, all right? The the three nets, taxes, insurance, and maintenance, right? Those people are referring to three nets, right? But these days, it might be double net or a single net or whatever, right? Depends on what it is, but net lease in general is an asset, a commercial asset that someone's buying and the tenant is paying for those three things or two things or one thing, depending on what the, what the lease actually says. All right. So that is a real cool thing. Now the, 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 the amazing thing in a, in a deal like this though, is that when you have a corporate tenant and you have a tenant with like, with a quarterback guarantee and you have a big tenant, like a publicly traded company or a, some sort of large franchisee. So think of Dollar General, Walgreens, Burger King, Pizza Hut, like companies that have been around for a long time and they're not gonna die tomorrow, right? Those are the types of deals that we're doing. And the mechanism that we use though, is a fund. So we're using, we use a blind pool fund. We we get the LP investors to come in and then we go and buy these assets. Now, why would these LPs even wanna do something like this? Because you get steady cash flow backed by a corporate tenant who's been there for some length of time and will more than likely come still stick around for some period of time in the future, right? right. So when you can hang your hat on that monthly cash flow, because then whenever the rent comes in, we like you know we, we do a distribution, right? So the month the monthly rent comes in, we do a distribution. That's how basically how it works. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal way to have monthly steady cash flow backed by corporate corporate guarantee. And a tenant, that's not going to bounce tomorrow, right? You don't have to worry about that. Like in multifamily, you have to worry about stuff like that. You don't have to manage the vacancies, manage the evictions, all that fun stuff's part of doing the business, I'm not poo-pooing multifamily, but when it comes to net lease, you don't have to worry about those sorts of things, at least yeah. not at the onset. If you do your underwriting properly and you you go through the lease, it becomes lesser of an issue.
1: Right, right. So with, with, the, with the assets you're buying, if you're getting large national tenants, I imagine these are pretty high quality assets yeah. and that you're buying do you deal with anything that maybe is sub premium maybe like you know that where you're getting asset or you're getting maybe regional tenants um smaller tenants going into them or do uh... you stay away stay away from them
0: yeah, we stay away from that stuff. We stay okay. away from it. Right now we're staying away from the strip malls, we're staying away okay, from yeah, we're staying away from the from the from the regionals, that kind of thing. Like regionals. we just bought we just bought a VCA Animal Hospital actually, right? Mm-hmm. So why would anybody buy a VCA Animal Hospital? You know VCA, you've heard of it, I'm sure, right? Yes. VCA Animal Hospital. Well, here's the thing. VCA Animal Hospital is uh, it's a corporate tenant. It's a national, and you know who owns it, right? Mars Company. The guys oh, who make the chocolate it. bar, yeah, they, they <laughs> own that. They, they, and Mars owns a bunch of other stuff. There's a yeah. massive, massive company. People don't know that. But there's a corporate guarantee in that store, Cor- corporate yeah. guarantee in that location. It's an animal hospital, and they were open through COVID. So many of the assets that we're looking for, that we buy, have survived COVID, which is probably one of the worst events that could have possibly shut down the, the retail yeah. space. Yeah. If, if it could stand through that type of, of scenario, then we're f- we're very comfortable continuing to buy those types of assets. If you're going with a regional or going with even an independent store, uh, like a hair salon, like JoJo's hair salon up the street or whatever, yeah. Like she, unfortunately, JoJo was forced to shut down during COVID. Bowricks wasn't. Bowricks was open,
1: Yeah.
0: right? So it's like, is it unfair? Yeah, it, it might be unfair, but you know what? It's like, Sorry, <laughs> I yeah. didn't make the rules. You know, um, yeah. we're buying the assets that can stand through those types of those types of of, um, of events, so that yeah. way the investors are still getting that steady stream of income. That's ultimately what our what our bar is when we're looking at stuff yeah. like this.
1: It's like buying A class multifamily versus C class or B class multifamily, and there you're going to get lower returns. However, the asset's going to be as closely correlated to. I hate to say this, but like maybe a treasury where you're up in that security. Because let's be honest, if a large tenant like CVS or Walgreens or one of these other people, if they're having financial issues, there's going to be major financial issues that are happening in in the United States. Um, So that's one thing. Because I usually – I've spoken to people. We had somebody previously on the show that was – he would deal with smaller strip malls and stuff like this. And I'd always find out how do you vet the tenants and also – how are you reviewing their leases? Because, I mean, it's much different. If a multifamily person, the, the the key there is that you don't have to worry about the inflation escalators because it's a one-year lease. You're getting into more complicated leases. Now we're worried about, you know, everybody's been worried about inflation. Uh, they just realized it about, you know, about the last 12, uh, 24 months. But it's something that wasn't an issue before. Now it is. And so now it's like if I have a, a lease that has eight years left on it. Um, I mean, now it's something that I have to really worry about because when they signed it, they probably weren't worried about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. but um, interesting, very interesting. So yeah, what, how are you guys bit... picking? Go on, sorry.
0: Yeah, no, no, I was going to say that, that that's a very good analogy. It's like a, a, a net lease is very similar to like a uh, an A-class type of asset. I think that uh, the main difference here is that cap rate, when, when people refer to cap rate on multifamily or even development for that matter, where there's people that live at these assets, cap rate is is used incorrectly, in my opinion, right? Um, cap rates is generally used in commercial, but when it comes to these types, when you're trying to do a cap rate on a C-class asset, cap rate implies that it's gonna be a steady return no matter what. It just hmm. doesn't work that way with C-class because yeah. you have no. people that live there. People are not predictable, right? And to use a cap rate to define revenue is stupid, if you ask me, right? It's dumb. All it does, Now cap rate will tell you the level of risk of an asset, right, if you're buying a C-class asset or a D-class asset in a bad neighborhood, it's a 10 cap, and people get all excited about it, you probably shouldn't get excited <laughs> about it, it's a 10 cap, it means it's a high risk deal. The higher the yeah. cap rate, the higher the risk, the lower the cap rate, the lower the risk. In net lease, it's different, right? The cap rate defines it defines the same sort of risk level, right? But to your point, it's extremely predictable. Are you going to become a billionaire off of net lease? Probably not. But you know what? It's steady, steady return in times like where we are right now in the economic cycle. And you don't know if you're going to have a job in, in six months from now. If you're like, if you're one of those people, don't really know. He's like, do you really, really know how steady your company is? Maybe you don't know. You might get the box. You know the box. We talked about the box, I think, on our show, right? The GTFO box. You might get the GTFO box, right? And if that's the case, most people, what they'll do is they'll invest in net lease, a net lease fund, to make sure that that money keeps rolling in no matter what happens, right? So it's a great way to do that. And uh, I think you asked me about leases, right, just a second ago? Yes. The the leases are where everything begins and ends because it's funny how people refer to... uh, Net lease as like oh it's a triple net lease it's tri- it's, it's, it's it's triple net uh, Dollar General it's like then you look at the lease it's not actually a triple net right <laughs> so I think it's it's it translated from many 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 years ago when it, you, everything used to be triple net right and the triple net was I shouldn't say everything a lot of deals were triple net right where the tenant was responsible for everything the taxes insurance uh, the the maintenance everything right. And I think over the years, to try to offload some of the risk for the the, the, the tenant living there or, or using the space, they would make it make it responsible for the landlord, us as owners. Mm. Well, you still have to read the lease. The lease says everything. And we've looked at deals where it's literally the same, similar, the same store, right? Same Dollar General in the same area with two different leases. Right, but because they're signed at two different times, it's bizarre, (laughs) right? And you know, one one deal is actually great; the other one was not so good, right? Because of because of the nets that were in there, right? Like we never want to be responsible for taxes; it's it's too unpredictable, right? Yeah, Uh, maintenance is one of those things. Yeah, we don't mind doing the maintenance stuff. Um, depends on how the condition of the of yeah. the property. So we'll do a PCA report. We'll understand, we'll get an idea as to how much money we have to set aside for that asset uh, and, uh, and and put it in reserve for the entire fund. I mean, there's different ways of, 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 of doing that kind of thing. But I think the difference though, that we do in our deals is it's our background. My background, as I alluded to, is, is tech, is IT. And my wife, her background is, is data science. So, yeah. and we have our partners that, that also, uh, they do sales and marketing. It's a great combination. We apply a high amount of data technology to determine the viability of an area, how strong it is, how many how many people are visiting that property every single day. We look at stuff like that, right? Yeah. And we pull it onto a database and we visualize it and we see like what is the probability of that person of that of that tenant bouncing or sticking around for the long term right? So these are all things we look at. And we do this without even asking for any type of information from, from the tenant. You just, sometimes they give it to you. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they give you their, their, um, uh, their financials for the store. Sometimes they do. Most times they don't. They used to a long time ago, mm-hmm. they would just hand it to you. Now they don't do that. They got to deal with what you got, right? Yeah. So the data will tell us, the data will tell us.
1: So, are most of your deals now going into a double net situation where you're offloading taxes and insurance to them, and you're handling maintenance?
0: For the most part, we get a lot of those yeah. deals. We do. Yeah. I mean, I, so it's funny. I looked at a at a, at a triple net deal. Uh, and it, was, it happened to be here in uh, outside of Cleveland, actually, uh, in, in a nice area called Parma, and it was for a bank. And it was a triple net, and I went to go visit the property, and the property was a complete disaster. <laughs> you know the asphalt hadn't been fixed the um the building itself like the, it was brick right but it yeah. hadn't been hadn't been pointed or like you know it needed all kinds of work uh that, that had been taken care of you can tell some of the wood was rotted i mean mm-hmm. it was it was terrible and i think the lease is probably going to be up in like 12 months so it's like this doesn't give me confidence that if they're responsible for the maintenance and they haven't even maintained the the the, the asphalt or the building itself, are they going to stick around? Probably not. Yeah. I'm not taking that gamble. Uh, I've not visited that that property since. I should probably just go by and take a drive out there just to see if they're still there. Yeah. But it's it's too much of a risk. Like we won't do deals like that if it's if we think it might be risky, we just won't do it. We yeah. just won't do it.
1: Yeah. So one of the great things about this net lease type business I see is that you're offloading a lot of. High cost variables off to the tenant, like yeah. taxes you don't deal with, um, insurance. I mean, I'm in South Florida or Florida. Do I have to even explain that to anyone? Anybody with anywhere where there's been inflation, which is the whole United States, there's been some sort of issue. Uh, before selling up uh, a portfolio I had in Connecticut a couple of years back, um, I mean, right when I was selling it, my insurance went up eight percent in Central Connecticut. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no issues per se. There, it's just inflation. Um, yep. So you're offloading those big ticket items because taxes in some places, there's some sort of control on that. And you know how high it might go for certain properties. There's sometimes a cap on it. inflation. I mean, uh, interest insurance, there's not. So that's one thing that um, I find very interesting too with the asset class. The So for people that want to tap into this, this business, uh, getting into net lease properties, um, I mean, tell us about how you really go about someone going into a new market for yourself, let's say, and you're choosing a market and you're building teams there, or are you partnering with someone already there?
0: That's a good question. I cover some of the stuff that I'm about to say on, on an ebook that I have, guide to netlease.com. If you go there, it's a free ebook. Go ahead and download it. Uh, I talk a little bit about this stuff and selecting the right type of assets. But uh, we don't we don't really partner with any individuals on site. We don't we don't have to, right? That's a great thing. That's another great thing about Net Lease, right? So generally and not to turn this into a political situation here mm-hmm. I'm not doing it but you know we buy in red areas we stay away from the blue areas right uh we, we did will we, we'll, from time to time maybe we'll look at a place in Chicago or something like that it depends on where it is depends on the density there's a lot of dependencies right like if there's if there's a lot of traffic in that area there's people there's money uh maybe we'll consider it you know there, mm-hmm. but it has to be an exceptional type of deal uh, we we look at we look at at, uh, at average income. We look at depending on the on the tenant, of course, and some of the tenants you know, Dollar General, Dollar Tree, Animal Hospital, uh, the, the type of type of assets. That's what we're buying these days. We're getting into the the VC, uh, the, the CS the CSV <laughs> the CVS uh, the Walgreens, the pharmacies. We're, we're getting into that too. Um, so, but we, we what we're looking at we're looking at income levels for that as well. So again, it's very similar crime stats. Um, and we look at uh, how much activity is in that market too. We also look at flow of traffic, uh, vehicles per day, a uh, variety of things like that, uh, how busy that, that area is. But one of the things we always think about, and this is the thing that I thought about from the very first time I did my very first deal, how fast can I unload this thing? Yeah. That's the first thing I think about how fast can I, when I bought my first house, my very first piece of real estate as a rental, how fast can I unload this? That was a rule that I came up with. Meaning if something happens to this property, meaning uh, this dollar general decides to shut down, how fast can I put another tenant in here? That's what I think about, right? So if, if we, if, so we're typically looking for uh the right square footage, the right uh, the right location. Uh, if if the square footage is too small, we don't we don't we don't consider it. it falls off immediately. Uh, if the lease if the lease is short, but we're but we have reason to believe they're going to renew, we'll do that deal. Uh, usually we go out and see the property personally, right? We'll either drive there, fly there, mm-hmm. whatever you know. Um, but uh, for the most part, I mean, due, due diligence is extremely important when you're doing these deals. So that is the most amount of leverage you're ever going to have in any deal is due diligence. And if the if your due diligence sucks, you're going to have a lot of problems down the road because the leverage is gone. Now you have to work with what you got. You know, so you better have a lot of reserves if you're going to do it that way, right? But like I said, the the ebook covers some of the stuff too. So yeah, je- definitely check that out too.
1: You brought it up. How long does it take to really rent out one of these places, uh, lease out one of these places uh, when they yeah. go vacant?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good question right there, right? Um, that's a scary. That, that's a scary thought. Man. <laughs> it scares
1: me right now. <laughs> it,
0: it is. It is. You know, and it's funny because uh, I'll give you an example, right? So we're, we're looking for vehicles per day because if there's a lot of activity, a lot of traffic in that in that market, mm-hmm. um, hopefully it might lease up in a year. Right. I mean, if if you do okay, if you know they're going to be bouncing, you can start doing. You can start lining up the relationship with a, with a big national. Mm-hmm. I, that's typically who I would go with. It just depends on how big the broker is in the market. Just like in 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 multifamily, there are, there's we talked about it a second ago A, B, C, and D class assets, right? There's also A, B, C, D areas, A, B, C, D brokers. What does that mean? Well, some brokers they only like doing certain assets, yeah. and they're only really good at doing certain assets. Just because Colliers is big in this market here in Cleveland, Colliers may not be big in Cincinnati, and in right. fact, they're not. You know, out there it's CB Richard Ellis, so or CBRE. Right? So yeah. it's like it it just depends on who is the dominant player in that market, and usually they will get the right tenant for the asset if they have a big net lease practice these are all things that you really have to understand there's um i, I spoke to a friend that he he brought he brought an investor on on a call uh, he was asking me questions about doing a net lease asset in one in my hometown in windsor ontario small super small town and um it, it was it wasn't gonna have a wasn't gonna have a corporate guarantee i think it was a, like a single location ah it was a and loans that's what it was As a remote office in Canada. It'd be the first and only office that they would have outside of the United States. And I'm like, okay. And you want to, you want to build it out? Like I have to buy the, buy the space, build it out. And how long is the lease for only like three years. And it's like, and I happened, I used to, I grew up in this town I knew that there's so much vacant space. I told the guy, go downtown right now and count yeah. how many vacant spaces there are. Why, what makes you think that you're? <laughs> it's a good idea? Like, why would you do that? You're right there. You're right downtown. Why would you do that? So it's a high risk deal. Don't do that deal. So we look at stuff like that. You know, we look at how much other vacancy is in the market. What is like if we have an understanding is what is the cost per square foot? What is it leasing for? What is our our subject asset leasing for, too? Is it below? Okay, great. That means that uh, chances are they'll stick around, you know, if they want to stay in that market, you know. I mean, these are all things that you have to look at when you're putting a deal together, you know. So, absolutely, we look at stuff like that, you know, and uh, because there's a lot of risk in taking on an asset. And you realize it's not going to renew and you're stuck with it. I mean, how many, I'm sure you've been to those towns when like half the town is, yeah. is is empty, you know? Yeah. Retail is tough. It's a tough business.
1: The, um, yeah, my dad had a partner years back and he, I remember him telling me when I was younger and he said, commercial real estate's great when it's occupied. It's very expensive when it's vacant. And that's like my mantra I've heard for, <laughs> I've kept in my mind for every time I'm like, I've anything like this happens with the commercial and you're talking about it, but um, yeah. and it's exactly true because you have these multi-million dollar properties with maybe one, two tenants and then if it's a single, you know, so it's just, uh, it can be very expensive and there's everybody knows those sites you've gone through with like a premium property that's been vacant for years because it's difficult to rent or they're doing something else or they're looking for the right tenant. Do you have money sitting in the stock market and you're worried about it or worse, you have money sitting at the bank, not keeping up with inflation? my name is charles carrillo founder and managing partner of harborside partners and since 2006 i've been investing my money and my family's money into income producing properties these are real assets real properties with real addresses that produce real cash flow at harborside partners we provide passive investors who love real estate with a turnkey investing solution if you want to put your money to work in real estate but can't find deals don't have the time to get funding and the last thing that productive people want to do is manage real estate We find the deals, we fund the deals, and we manage the tenants, the termites, and the properties. Partner with us at investwithharborside.com. That's investwithharborside.com. Go to investwithharborside.com. If you love real estate, you like the idea of passive income, and believe that income-producing properties will appreciate over time, go to investwithharborside.com. That's investwithharborside.com. So... Moving along here, so with with new and well, it could be new investors or just investors in general. I mean, what are common mistakes you see triple net lease or net lease real estate investors make when when they're starting, or maybe even actually when they've been doing it?
0: Yeah, sure. So I will say this: that um, they don't take the time to learn it; they just want to get in, and they they want to um, they want to get in without any partners. The same thing happens mm-hmm. on the multifamily side, yeah. you know, and. There is a way to get into this and reduce the overall risk. And the way you do it is to buy buy into a fund, partner on yeah. a fund. Because like I said a second ago, or you said a second ago here, it's like commercial is great when it's occupied, but then when it goes dark, people mm-hmm. leave, it sucks. It's bad, right? Well, in a net lease fund, we might buy like 10 or 15 or 20 or more of these assets, in a single in a single fund, so what happens is if they, if there's nine or ten of these things, and then one of them, say the, say Dollar General decides they're going to leave leave a market, mm-hmm. well the other ones are still producing cash, right? So this DG yeah. right here is is only a part of it. Does it suck? Of course it sucks, but we as as the partners we we get to work trying to backfill that that vacancy, right? That's a great way to help offset the risk mm-hmm. even a little bit by and you're, by spreading your money across multiple assets that are still producing money so that you're not invested entirely in one asset. And if that one asset goes dark, you're screwed. You know, So that's the last thing you want to do. You don't want to do that, especially if it's going to be your nest egg for you and your family in times of trouble. The last thing you want to do is have great that the, the store that you bought, <laughs> the DG yeah. that you bought with your own money, suddenly go dark. Now what the hell are you going to do? And, and it's a big worry. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge worry because renting, to your point, we just said a second ago, leasing this stuff out is not easy. It's yeah. not. It's 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 a thing. It's a challenge. You know, it really is.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. So with dealing uh, every time I know people that have clients that are large. You know, fortune 500 companies and they wait months and months and months to get paid on stuff so you just imagine how long it takes them to make a decision on leasing a property or whatever they have to do with it um so agostino you've been doing this for decades and uh you were in tech before um so kind of over your whole let's say professional career to now how has your relationship towards money changed over that time huh.
0: that's that's a great question you know um when I was when I was working in corporate, uh, I was living the 40, 40, 40 plan. I think uh, you know, and I think we talked about the 40, 40, 40 plan last time we might have talked about it, right? It's when you work for 40 years, oh. 40 hours a week, and you only get 40 percent of your money because the government stole 60, you know mm-hmm. um, that is that is the most expensive way for anyone to earn a living. If there's there's an expensive way to do it, that is it. What do do I mean by that? Well, the W-2 income is the highest taxed method of making a living. Huh. Isn't that strange? So what is is one of the lower ones? Passive income. Passive income is taxed at a lower rate. So what does that mean? That means there is an incentive to invest... As opposed to working for a living at a W two job, that's what it means. But it's not presented in that way. Right? I didn't know this. Right? I thought investing was doing you know your your stocks and bonds and mutual funds, which was a, it's a, it's a, it's not it's not good. It's not good doing that. It's a risk, if you ask me. You know that's why I chose real estate. Because here's the thing. Here's here's the ugly reality. Okay, Charles. We buy, uh, you and I buy uh, 20 grand worth of Apple stock today. It's made, it's, it's made the first. What is that Apple stock going to be valued at the end of this month? Do you know what the cost, what, what the cost is? 20 grand. What's, what's, what was what the total amount going to be worth at the end? Do we know? No idea. No idea. But if we have a multifamily asset or we have a net lease asset or a group of net lease assets. If we're expecting to get twenty grand on the first, what's 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 it going to be on on and what's it going to be in June first? Yeah. Um, twenty grand, right? Why? Well, how can I say that with such confidence? Well, I got a bunch of legal documents called leases <laughs> that say <laughs> that if they don't pay, I can come after them. It's a legally binding document that I can go after them. I can either evict them. I can take some sort of legal. There's legal a legal remedy to collecting that money. You can't do that with stocks, right? And when you get to to understand all of the, the 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 depreciation you can take on your personal income, it's it's a it's an amazing tool. And now more than ever, you have to do that. Like it, the, the value of the dollar is dropping like crazy. You you need every advantage you can get. I didn't know this stuff. I figured it out on my own in in, in the W two world. HR is pushing this nonsense of like you know 401k and all this stuff I mean listen sure okay great max out your 401k don't leave that money on the table fine do that but as soon as you're able to move some of that money into a self-directed IRA and start taking control of your money who you should always be in control of your money why would you want to let someone else that you don't even know control your cash is your family livelihood why would you ever do that right yeah. you, would, you know it's ridiculous you want to partner on an asset you want to make a decision to buy a property. And then then understand what the plan is, and you're you're an active partner, and we're going out and buying properties, yeah. and you get all depreciation, the appreciation, the appreciation get everything along with it. Why wouldn't you do that deal? It makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, the four hundred one k thing is always something because I've had um you know friends acquaintances they'd like uh, ask for assistance with um their four hundred one k or whatever, just like, and you just look at it and you're like looking at the returns, and I'm like, this is how much money you have here, and you have so many years left. Like I don't with. Without doing anything like what you're invested in here, and this sounds like a great thing, this target date fund or whatever it is, I mean, you need a lot more money right now. This will work, but like you, most people get started in their 30s doing it, you know what I mean? And you've lost like such an advantage with it. So, it you know, it's just, you don't want to, yeah, it's it's good that people are retiring. I mean, putting money away for retirement, but I never think it's enough. So it's always something that if they move into something because it doesn't earn enough, you know what I mean? And it's... It's still, you know, unless you start it when you were like eighteen, you know what I mean. It's, yeah. uh, you know, with a raw fire or something like that, and you're putting it away. Maybe you'll be fine, but it's something that most people start and like really start padding it up when they're in their thirties, and um, you know, that might be too late, you know what I mean, especially depending on with inflation and everything like that. But um, I'll tell you,
0: I'll tell you what, Charles, it, uh, I'm. It's, it's rather, it's rather cool to see some of the students that we, we have coming into our programs. They're in their 20s, some of them. I spoke to a guy, uh, a student yesterday, actually. He's going to be signing up for Accelerator. He's 23 years old, and he's he wants to learn how to syndicate big deals, right? Amazing. 23 years old. Really, if you think about it, if he could syndicate just one multi-million dollar deal, and you know this as well as I do because we're, we're going to do this, right? You buy one deal. The second deal is going to be right behind it. Third deal is right behind that, and, and you can expand. You could basically be retirement ready by before you're 30 years old if you do it properly you know same thing goes with with our small multifamily business uh, or rather um coaching group it's like even if the kid starts house hacking today he's in a way better position but again we're all taught i was taught the same way i don't know if you were go buy the giant house take on this massive expense go buy two cars take on that massive expense and go to work for 40 hours a week plus actually ridiculous. No, yeah. no I, didn't, I didn't know that. I should, I should have taken all that money. I should have moved into an apartment, stayed in the apartment, make a bunch of cash and then buy a multifamily.
1: Yeah. That's what my first have. My first property was a house hack at 22 and I didn't do it as lavishly with going into syndication and everything afterwards, but it was a great starting point. Uh, and it's a great way for anybody that's starting out to follow that. And it's so simple. Yeah. And how many people I told in college to do that? No one took me up on it. And, you know, it is what it is, but <laughs> no one wants to listen. They want to go right. You said they want to, people want to start the top and work sideways. No one wants to work from the bottom up or live in an apartment with their tenants next door. So
0: No, it's hard. Uh, that's the thing. Yeah. It's hard. It, yeah. It's hard. But you know what, though? It's like, that's, that's the tough part. You know, it, it's, it's difficult if you make it difficult. Like it, yeah. it, when you, when you begin to understand how, how it works, how, how um, apartment living is not house living. Absolutely. It's not, but you know what? If you you take a little bit of suffering, air quote suffering, <laughs> today, if you consider it suffering, I don't. I even yeah. I even I live in an apartment right now. I think it's great. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about cutting lawn or, or shoveling snow or this nonsense. I just live my life. And, I, and if someone even comes to fix my stuff, how how is that so bad, right? Yeah. But you know what? What I'm what I am focused on is taking all this cash and putting it to work. And then when when the assets are producing cash flow. I can go and live the life the way that I want to live it, as opposed to having a bunch of dead equity sitting in a house. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Why would you leave, why would you leave half a million dollars or whatever tied up in a house? They, you can't do anything with it. You know, yeah. it's 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 dumb. It doesn't make yeah. any sense.
1: No, no, no. It's uh it's kind of what we've been taught and what realtors have been pushing on us for decades. Yeah. But um, and the banks
0: too. The banks too. Yeah. The banks the banks are able to take that single dollar, multiply it nine times. Now they have all this inventory. What do we do? We sell the American dream. We get to and sell it to, sell the same dollar nine times to everybody and get them to buy into this whole single family scenario. Yeah. It's it's a, it's it works well for the banks. They're yeah. the landlord. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Agostino, how can our listeners learn more about you and your business and your coaching and your uh, triple net lease offers?
0: Yes, absolutely. So if you go to bulletproofcashflow.com, uh, it's a portal that talks a little bit of some of our coaching. It does talk about some of the you know, some of the investment opportunities as well. Uh, we only we only deal with accredited and sophisticated investors uh, right right now. Um, but you know, set a time if you want to talk about that, absolutely. Uh, and like I said, guide to net lease is a great way if you really want to understand how net leases work. It's a uh, it's a great it's a great book and the the stuff that the content that we put out. I like to think it's top notch. It's a very complete book. It's not just like a pamphlet just to get your email address. It's an actual book that you can read and actually learn from. <laughs> it's real. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. It will. It won't disappoint. It's always all good right. stuff.
1: And also your podcast, Bulletproof Cashflow. Uh, Bulletproof, well.
0: Yeah, yeah. We have. A, a, we uh, we're on um, on all the major channels on YouTube as well. If you want to watch the video, uh, YouTube uh, uh, YouTube dot com slash Bulletproof Cashflow. We have. Uh, over 700 videos right now, various things, everything from net lease to development to multifamily. we talk about a bunch of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely check that out. A lot, a lot of great material there too. i uh, totally free,
1: obviously. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on today and uh, looking forward to connecting with you here sometime in the near future.
0: You bet. You bet, man. Thanks for having me on.